Welcome to Intention is Everything. I am your host, Karen Frazier, and with me is always my co-host, Carol Knight-Wilson. Hey, Carol. Hey, Karen. How are you doing this week? Good. I feel like we were just doing this talking about crystals. Because we were. We were indeed. <laughs> I know. So I know that you're really excited about our guest today because you have lots of questions. And we oh, said yes. last show that we thought Sally was going to be our guest, but we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is. So our guest today is Sally Painter. Sally and I have actually worked together at Love to Know for, gosh, since 2008. So that's like almost 11 years, probably. It is 11 years. And um, she writes wonderful articles on feng shui and paranormal articles. And um, she also has all sorts of like paranormal experiences. And she just wrote a book about auras. So let's introduce her because I know, Cheryl, you have lots of questions. And well, I think what we can do is let you start with your aura question. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Sally, welcome to Intention is Everything. Hello. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to let Cheryl, because as soon as I told her we were going to be talking about aura, <laughs> oh, goody. Um, and so <laughs> I'm going to let her start with the question. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Sally, for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, thank you. Um, you have had um, paranormal experiences. You are an energy healer. You've, you're an expert on auras and aura work, and you're an expert on, on feng shui. Did I cover everything? I'm not sure that I did, but um, I have so many questions for you. And like Karen said, the first one is about auras. Okay. And I first became familiar with auras when I had some family members tell me that they could see auras and I, I didn't know what really what they were talking about. And um, two of my family members, close family members said that they could see auras, you know, uh -huh. and I thought, well, darn it. Why can't I see auras? <laughs> I was really upset. And to this day, many, many years later, I've never been able to do that. And so I've, I've had a little fascination with auras. And so I was hoping you could start by talking about what are auras? I mean, very basically, and um, what they mean. Okay. Um, well, they're electromagnetic energy, for one thing. And there's several layers. The main layers, there are seven of them. And they're connected to your chakra system. So you have like an astral, celestial, emotional, etheric, etheric template, uh, etheric template, and a mental aura. So they're all connected to the chakras, and each chakra has a color that's pretty much assigned to it. And depending on what's going on with you, your aura can change colors. There is an initial aura color that pretty much is with you, from my experience, uh, that defines you, sort of like a fingerprint. But it can change. You can have streaks and sparks of different colors. Like if something's going on with you emotionally, if you're angry, you may have red tinging your aura, uh, the aura. Does that pretty much explain? Yeah. And so you said that it's, if I heard you right, it deals with the electric, electrical magnetic waves. Is that right. what you said? Right. Okay. Because your chakras are spinning. You have, Two shock, each chakra center, and you've got lots in your body, 
but the main ones run up down through your spine. So mm -hmm. you've got one chakra that spins counterclockwise and one that spins clockwise, and they're inside each other. So they're putting out energy because basically we're a battery. You've got water and electricity coursing through you. So that comes out in the waves that form around your body. Now, some people have claimed to see auras as far as 15 feet. Um, I never have. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen any that large. But basically, most people can see the first layer, which is kind of like a fluorescent color, blue, white. And you just have to look, get your eyes out of focus in order to see it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good to put the person, or you can do it with your hand. That's my favorite technique for showing someone how it works. You can use a black piece of paper or a white piece of paper and put your hand on it. And then you can kind of, you know, how you stare and then get your eyes out of focus. Mm -hmm. you, then you'll see the little shadowy form around your hand. And that's typically wow. a whitish color, bluish white. Okay, so you can see auras then. I can. Yeah. Does it happen every single time you see somebody or just sometimes? Like when does it happen for you? Uh, it really happens if somebody's angry. Okay. <laughs> that's hard to miss. Uh, okay. uh, and if somebody's in a real loving place, then... I can see that, the colors. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of a unison type of thing that happens with all of the different psychic abilities. And it wasn't until, gosh, I was in my early 30s that I recognized that these abilities were all separate. Hmm. Uh, and I took a week-long course with, she's now deceased, but um, Virginia Sullen, who was really, really uh, a well-known at that time in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And she was the one that showed me how each one is separate because I, they've always worked together for me. And, um, but I, the first aura I think I ever saw, I was in church with my parents and I was listening to the minister give the sermon and I kept seeing this aura around him. It was like a white, blue aura. But there were sparks of yellow and blue that were kind of streaking out from him. And wow. nobody else saw it. Yeah. And, and that was just typical of my whole childhood. Nobody ever saw anything oh. I saw. So, you know, I didn't say anything because okay. I had learned by that time, nobody's going to believe what I'm saying. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I did start searching and trying to understand what I was seeing. Wow. So, so this started early for you then, and you, and, and you have other abilities. What other abilities do you want to tell us about since we're on that topic? Um, well, I have like premonitions, but they're not like what you see on TV. Okay. Like one time I was riding down the road to my home. At that time, I lived in a very rural area and there was a deserted house, not like a quarter mile from, from mine. And I knew the people who owned it. It was their old family farmhouse, but nobody was living in it. But I, when I drove by, I thought I saw it on fire. And so I turned around and went right up the hill to make sure it wasn't burning. And I thought, well, it must be the reflection of the sun setting. And, you know, mm -hmm. I did the typical thing where you try to logically, you know, say, hey, I didn't see that. And I went home, but that night it burned down. 
Oh, wow. And so that's the type of thing I have. Um, okay. You know, I, th- I had a thing about fires for a while. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I woke up one night about 3.30, and I went to the back door, and I was looking out because we had a large wooded area behind us, and then there was another road on, on the other side of the woods. But I kept feeling something really sinister out there. It was really upsetting me. Mm-hmm. And the next day, we found out that the people who were renting a house further down on the other side on that road actually burned the house down because they were being uh, eva- uh, which got evicted. Mm-hmm. So that type of thing has always wow. happened. And seeing things, you know, seeing spirits. Uh, as a child, I didn't. I never slept through the night, and I was mm-hmm. always having to go in and ask my mom to come sleep with me because I told her that this would have really upset me, but my mom was pretty, pretty solid. I told her, she said, when I was four years old, I told her that I couldn't sleep because every time I went to sleep, there were people waiting to steal my soul. Now that's pretty, pretty bad. Wow. Okay. That kind of sums up my childhood. Mm -hmm. I had a really good childhood, but at night that was just thing, you know, Spirits would walk out of the walls, through the windows, and it was just, it was very difficult. Do you, are you, do you communicate with spirits? Uh, I I used to, but not willingly. Okay. (laughs) They were intrusive. So I have spent years building a wall of white Mm -hmm. light around me. Mm -hmm. The only ones that I speak to are my guides or my angels. Those are the only ones I talk to. Um, I... You know, I've I, I opened a closet door one time, and there was one hiding there. And it, you know, it was like as clear as day, and then he poof disappeared. Mm-hmm. And this was a house that we had just moved into, so I had to go through the house and you know clear it out. Uh, it's just things like that. They're very intrusive. Mm-hmm. Um, when my husband and I first were married, uh, this woman came running out of the closet. I don't know why they like closets, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> and came came running out of the closet, and she looked like she had on a hospital gown, and her hair was all flowing, and it was gray and all. And she was like, "Where am I? What's happening?" And you know, and I was trying to tell her, "You're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you need to try to find." I hated to say go into the light, but mm-hmm. that's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. And I said, "You just need to resolve the fact that you're dead and move on." And then it was, let's see. Seven years later, we were moving to the mountains, and we were looking at this house. And this, as soon as we got out of the car, this spirit came running up to me and said, I saved this for you. I saved this for you to thank you for what you did for me. And it was that woman. And this had wow. been her house. This had oh, been her house. Gosh. Said, this house is for you. You love nature. You will take care of my gardens because she had a beautiful landscaping mm-hmm. and and it was a, it was a log cabin it was built like in the 50s and it was just it was incredibly beautiful and she said and they had there were also four cabins that went with the property that they rented mm-hmm. and I was like man we don't want this we just got through <laughs> selling our commercial property we don't want any more commercial property but she was just like I say this for you I didn't let anybody buy it and it had been on the market for like two years so they were really eager to sell it wow her son was so that kind of thing has happened, and that's, that's not okay. too intrusive. Okay. But there have been some very intrusive ones. 
That's a pretty cool story, if you ask me. (laughs) That is a a really cool story, actually. Yeah, for seven years later, because it took me a while to figure out who she was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the lady who jumped out of the closet. Oh, how funny. Uh, So I wanted to ask you really quickly about um, premonitions, because I get them too, usually. Um, I get like, but, but I never get enough specific information where I feel like I could do anything about it. Um, because one of the, one of the premonition dreams I have are about school shootings, but I never have any information. So what do I do? Do I, you know, I just, I'm not going to call the cops and say, Hey, I had a dream that there was a school shooting. Um, I have it about school shootings, train train derailments and earthquakes and occasionally other things. So what do you do when you have a premonition? What do you do about it? There's not a lot you can do. That's the frustrating thing about it. We don't get any information. Why are you giving me this if I don't have anything that's actionable? It really frustrates me. It's my pet peeve. Yeah, frustrating to me too. Uh Yeah, it is. Um, I had one that was actionable that saved my mom's life. And I was at, uh, if you want to hear it, I don't know. But... (laughs) Anyway, yes, I, okay, I, I can go on and on and on forever. Okay, so I was at, I was like 10 years old and we were having a sleepover at a friend's house. And so my mom lets me out. And she says, now I'm going to pick you up at 10 o'clock in the morning. There's no need to call me in the morning. I said, okay. I get and go in, you know, next morning, all the girls are calling their parents, you know, to come and get them. And something kept telling me, call your mother. And I'm like, no, I'm not calling my mother. She told me not to call her. She'll be here at 10. And this, whoever this was, kept on and on and on and on and on. And finally I said, okay, I'll call. And so I called. And it took a while for my mom to get the phone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to be upset with me. Although my mom never really got upset. But I just didn't want to bother her. And she answered the phone. And she said, why are you calling? I told you I would call you. I would come and pick you up. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought I'd call, make sure you were coming at 10. And she's like, I've got to go. And she hung up. Well, my dad came to pick me up instead of my mom, which I knew something was wrong. And he took me home. He didn't say a whole lot. And when we got home, I looked in the backyard because they had like a hillside uh, house. And there was a couch that was partially burned out in the yard. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, my mom and dad had had a terrazzo uh, floor sprayed in the basement area, which was the living area, which is like, you know, these little particles that you put on the floor and then you put this other stuff on and they heat it and it it makes it really, really nice. You've probably seen it with uh, garages, how they do the floors sometimes. Yeah. And so you have to have the furnace turned off. And she knew that she had turned that furnace off. But when I called her, the furnace kicked on, and it sparked, and this, like, four-foot ball of fire came flaming out of the laundry room, hit the wall, went through the den, and went into the study area, the library area, and hit that sofa. And the fireman told her, had you not had that call and gone back up the steps, you would have been hit with that fire. So... That was one time that the premonition was a little more, I guess, than a premonition. Oh, my uh, God. yeah. But, but, you know, but by the same token, that's one of the rarities. 
that's a very rare thing. Like I had a dream about a plane going down and that was when the, what was it? Flight 100 in New York, all those kids were on it, the high school kids. And I, I saw it in my dream, but I didn't, I didn't think it was a premonition. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I had, I had one, one time when I was going back to work after lunch and I worked for, um, Kraft Foods and it was in an old bank building. Um, the plant, you know, was built to the back. So it was like this federal style building and it had this sweeping staircase, which of course you couldn't get through, get by with that nowadays. Um, but anyway, so I was walking up the staircase and suddenly everything was shaking and I was like, what is going on? And I'm holding onto the rail and I see dust falling, but at the same time I see the real world, you know, there's nothing going on. And I go back and I get, I sit down at my desk and I see all this stuff falling. I hear screams, I hear all this noise and I don't know what's going on. And I call my friend who's very psychic and asked her, have you had a premonition? Because this lasted for 20 minutes. And she hadn't heard anything. She hadn't seen anything, felt anything. So anyway, two weeks later, the earthquake in 89 in California happened in San Francisco. And I didn't really put the two together until my husband said, you, you, went, you lived through that two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, but what do you do? Right. So I have a story to tell you about that earthquake, Sally. Okay. I was in San Francisco um, the day before the earthquake, and we were supposed to stay for another week. And I said to my husband, we need to leave. There's going to be an earthquake. Ah. <laughs> so, See there? You was, knew what it was <laughs> and where it was. I, I, rec- I recognized it because I get the same thing. So that's one of the one of the predictive things I get is that either dreams or I get that shaking experience mm-hmm. where yeah. I think I'm in the middle of an earthquake and I'm right. like looking to see if lamps are swinging or something. Oh my goodness, you're the only person I've ever talked to who has had that experience. Yeah, that's so weird. It is. And it's, it's, it's like you have one foot in reality and one foot there and yeah. you're, you're trying to keep your equilibrium because you don't want to topple over. But I mean, I was like groping to get to my desk. No, I, I like, know. And people look at you like you're strange. Well, I mean, even like I'll be sitting here at the house and I will feel like my house is shaking and our house is built solid. I mean, the guy yeah. that built this overbuilt the house. Um, and so, like, when we had our big uh, earthquake up here in 2001, right? Uh, the only thing that happened, and the epicenter was, like, 20 miles north of this house, the only thing that happened is one picture was crooked. That's how solidly my house Wow. Was, right? So, so, when my house shakes, and I'll say to Jim, oh, my God, is there an earthquake? He's like, no, there's not. <laughs> look, and my lamps aren't swinging, and my plants are standing still. Well, you know, talking about not knowing what what it means, I have one that's very upsetting that I haven't ever really talked about, but I knew this family, and I was at the grocery store, and this woman came in with her grandchild clinging to her, and I had this, oh, I was in the, the grocery line waiting to check out. I had this overwhelming urge. I mean, it was so bad, I grabbed the handle on the shopping cart, and I, I was white knuckled to go over there and grab that child from her that was all I had and I'm like this is so weird why would I feel 
feel this when she's got her grandchild, you know? And unfortunately, they came back through. I was hoping I'd get out of there before they checked out, and they didn't. And it was even worse. I mean, it was like a magnet drawing me, and I just wanted to rip that child out of her arms. And that was all I knew. And they went home that day, and unfortunately, they did die in a house fire. Uh, she and the grandchild, <clears throat> but you know, it was just, and that's that was, you. it haunts me to this day and it's been over 40 years. I mean, it's been a long time, but I think, you know, what do you do? And that was before I ever really had, you know, accepted any, I was still kind of in denial, but I mean, what could I have done? I walk up to him and say, Hey, I want to take that child away. from. I mean, that would just be insane. Right. So, Right, like me saying, like me calling the police and saying, "Hey, there's going to be a right somewhere right. In the, somewhere in America." Yeah, you'd be on the FBI list so fast. I I would, and so I, I get it. The only thing that I've ever figured out is that when I have the premonitions or the dreams, I can at least send energy to like send loving energy to try and help ease whoever's going through it. Well, that's a good thing to do. That would that would be a really good thing to do. Yeah, that's just, the only thing I've ever been able to figure out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I didn't have any kind of premonition that helped my daughter last year when her house burned down. You would think I would. But, yeah. I mean, I just kept telling her, you got to make sure you got batteries in your smoke alarms. I mean, that's all I, <laughs> that was all the information I had. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a mom thing though too, you know. Well, oh, my son it could be, but it was kind of weird to say it out of out of just out of nowhere. But yeah, we should have probably had checked into it. But you know, it just you just don't know. Yeah, and and that's I think the most frustrating thing I have about this. I would rather not have any gift, if you want to call them gift. I would rather not have anything than to have something so partial that I can't do anything about. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really kind of torturous at times. Yeah, I get that. I, I do understand that a lot. Yeah, so, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. So with the seeing auras, um, you're clairvoyant. And so is that one of your stronger ones for you, the, the clear seeing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> because like I said, they work in unison. Um I really don't know. It might yeah, they're, be. They're integrated. See, for me. They are. They, the, they are. The, I'm not super visual. And you're very visual because you're a decorator and you do the gardening stuff and you do the feng shui stuff. So you clearly are a very visual, artistic person, right? And you process things visually. Yeah, I'm definitely visual. And so um, where with me, I'm more kinesthetic. I do. I And so my strongest, actually my strongest ability is more of the sensing stuff in my body, which is why it uh-huh. works work well as a medical intuitive and an energy healer is because right. I feel it in my body. Um, but so I wonder if with you, your clairvoyance, because you're just such a visual person might be one of your stronger abilities. Probably. Um, psychometry is very, very strong. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I was doing recruiting, it was very helpful because oh, <laughs> I can sh- I, I, exactly I knew right then whether or not they should be hired 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that would be absolutely great. And yeah, I suppose that would be helpful for me too, because I'm, I, I don't do any recruiting, but I mean, I'm around people a lot and uh-huh. I into it a lot about people pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah. And it's just, I think it's just the person's aura that you might not see, but you can, that electromagnet energy. Yeah. I'm very, very attuned to that. You know, like walk in a room and you can tell immediately who to avoid. <laughs> you know, don't go there. Don't go near them. You know what? Um, you maybe just reminded, you made me think of something. Maybe I've been so focused on seeing auras when really what I'm doing is sensing them instead. That's possible. But I think they're both, I think they're interrelated. I think you could, I think, you know, if you quit trying to see auras, then you're going to have more of that. And if you, if you try to see auras, you're going to probably have a little less than the sensing of it. But eventually you can get to a place where they are integrated. And yeah. I guess I've, I've lived long enough to where everything is, and it's always been integrated. I mean, that's the thing when people started, I remember when I first heard about, you know, this particular one and this particular one, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because to me, it's all one, one mechanism. Right. Yeah, I, and, right. Yeah. But if, if you want to, I, I did discover with the psychometry back when I was Virginia Southern, her classes, I was able to hone in on it and, oh, wow, I really do have that. So it was good to, you know, like pull them out and, and exercise one and then take another one out and exercise it. Uh, that can really help, I think, grow whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the gift. Right. Well, I have been sitting here while we've been talking, holding my hand in front of a white paper towel, and I'll have you know I see nothing. <laughs> well, did you put your eyes out of focus? Well, I'll have to try it. I'll have to try it later. I mean, I feel like my eyes are always slightly out of focus. <laughs> well, just, you know, don't cross them too much. <laughs> Like my mom said, they might stick that way. I know my mom used to tell me that too. Okay, sure. But it's just because it looks bad. We lost. <laughs> Don't get it. She just dropped out somehow. She must have gotten kicked off. She'll be back in a minute. So, okay. okay. Well, Keep going. <laughs> well, um, I can tell you another story okay, if you yeah. want to hear it. Okay. Yeah, I do. One of my very first experiences that I have such total recall because a lot that happened to me as a child. I think I probably blotted out because it just terrified me. Um, I remember the emotion of it, but as far as individual things, not so much, except I do remember a little Casper ghost running around my bed uh, and, uh, you know, on the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was always there and it really bothered me. But when I was about six, we lived out in the country on a farm and we lived in the house with my grandparents um, and I used to ride my bicycle around their driveway and they had a really long oblong type driveway and it was like two, two tiers. And so <clears throat> I was riding around there and back then people used barrels to burn their trash and don't get all upset, but that's how they did it. No, and, uh, we did a trash barrel in our backyard. Yeah. My grandmother called it the incinerator. <laughs> <laughs> which was a little classier, but 
anyway, a lot of times you would see the the paper from the incinerator come floating out and it'd be black charred paper. And my brothers and cousins and I would get our sticks and, you know, hit at it and play and like we had swords. So I'm riding the bike by myself and I see one coming out from the backyard. And I'm like, where did that come from? It's not trash day. So anyway, I watch it fall to the ground and I pick up a stick. I don't go over there and just start you know, slamming it with my stick. And this voice behind me says, don't do that. Don't touch that. And I'm like, what? And I looked around, there wasn't anybody there, but it was as clear as a person standing behind me. It was a man, it's a voice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, by then, you know, I just shrug it off. So I reached down and said, I said, don't touch that. Go and get your grandfather. And I was like, Wow, that's crazy because nobody ever called my grandfather. Grandfather's name was Big Daddy. So <laughs> anyway, I went, I dropped the stick and I ran up there and got him. And he came down there with me because he was on the porch. And he looked at it. He looked at me and he picked up this big rock that was in the rock border of the of a flower bed. And he lifted it and he just dropped it on it and it went poof. And I was really upset because I wanted to do that with my little stick, you know. <laughs> and he turned around and looked at me. He said, do you know what that was? And I'm like, no. He said, well, how would you know to come and get me? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, that was a rabid bat. And if you had touched it, you would have been dead before we could get you to the hospital because it probably would have bitten you many times. Oh, my gosh. And that was back when they had to give you shots in your stomach, you know. Yeah. So I don't, I didn't know who that was talking behind me, but he was very authoritative. And, you know, it was like a parent telling you, I said, don't touch that. So then years later, when I was doing the regression sessions with the doctor who was doing his little, he was doing a special project and invited me to participate. When I went under, I met that voice. And he was my, he was the archangel. He was my angel, my guide. And um, that was pretty moving. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. I don't think I've ever heard my guide's voice. I've seen them like in meditations. I mean, I like not with my ears. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, you know, it's just really strange. <laughs> yeah. But he saved my life. And yeah. I guess he was doing his job. He was. There's a lot to like about that story, but I, can I tell you the thing I like the best? What's that? that? Your grandfather's name is Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His name was Big Daddy. My grandmother was Mimi. And, oh, I uh, love it. You're so yeah. very Southern. It's very oh, yeah. Southern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mimi he was like daddy. he was like six four, and he wasn't a you know a large large man. He was just tall. Yeah. I don't know where the name came from, but. And I didn't ever think of it as being Southern. He was just Big Daddy. <laughs> it sounds very, it sounds very Southern. But you know, I'm yeah, it is. It is. On the West Coast, so in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I wish that I wish that my grandfather had been. My grandfather was Granddaddy. Yeah. So well, most most normal people are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Big Daddy, yeah. just Granddaddy. But um, you know, in the South, everybody has to have a nickname. That's right. So I have to tell you, you would be so proud of me right now because I have been in the midst of the Great Closet Reorganization Project. Oh, and cool! So you're a feng shui practitioner, and 
I have, I, you know, I, I dabble in feng shui. You know that stuff cold. Well, I don't know. I try. I, I keep learning every day. Yeah. And so I have asked you about things over the years, like my sparkly chandelier in my bathroom, which you told me was, would be lovely as a design choice, but not great as a, as a bathroom choice. But so I, as I've been cleaning out and reorganizing my closet, it feels so good in my bedroom. Doesn't it? It's amazing. The difference, something that is nice and organized and clean. The energy is so different, regardless of what people may think about feng shui. If, if nothing else, that right there shows the properties of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, really quickly, Cheryl's back. So I'm going to let her ask some questions here in a minute. If you could just, uh, because I've learned so much with the feng shui and I, I use it in my house and I incorporate it in my house and it does, it's a huge difference. So if you could give somebody like the top two things that they could do to make their house or their living space better with feng shui, what would it be? It would be declutter, which encompasses fixing anything that's broken, getting rid of dust, just anything that would be considered clutter and light. Mm-hmm. Light is the force that chi energy. If you put, if you have a dark room, turn on a bunch of lights. That'll bring the chi energy there. Don't have dark rooms. Dark rooms don't have really good chi energy. Cool. All right, Cheryl, okay. you're, you're back and you're working. Yeah, I'm back. Sorry about that. welcome back okay so um i'll let you ask a few questions all right um what before we you had mentioned sally that if someone was interested and i'm sorry to go back to auras but just real quick you had mentioned that someone could do an exercise by putting their hand against uh different colored papers is there anything else i could do not having any psychic abilities that to learn how to see auras because that still really fascinates me <laughs> or am I just out of luck no you're not out of luck okay um, <laughs> I think a lot of times you know it's like I hate to say this because it's kind of cliche but it's like anybody who you know has athletic abilities the more you use them the more better you become at them and everybody's got different different levels of it so don't beat yourself up over it. Just, um, I would say maybe instead of doing the hand, maybe you could try like a person. If you could get somebody to volunteer for you mm-hmm. and put them against either a white wall or, you know, put a sheet up or whatever and let them sit there so that you can, you can sit opposite them, but not directly across from them. Mm-hmm. so that you're kind of seeing them out of the corner of your eye. And that can then start training you to see them, see the aura. Oh, um, okay. Because sometimes, you know, like, like Karen was saying, it's not happening even though she's, you know, taken out of focus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your, your peripheral vision can aid you a little bit better because you're not looking directly at the solid object. You're looking at, you know, what's around it basically it kind of reminds me remember those old pictures that were popular I don't even know when maybe maybe in the late 80s early 90s where they were all the rage and they were 
just this big mass of jumbled things yeah, and then you're supposed to look at it and then and then yeah. all of a sudden you yeah. see this crystal clear picture amid the mass jumble things i never ever I love those would see it and people <laughs> all around me would be like oh that's so cool and i see this and this you know i never could do it and they're like oh no you just gotta unfocus your eyes and it was it was just something i couldn't do i feel like that's kind of you know something that i i don't have that skill but i'm gonna i'm gonna do that experiment that you just said I'm going to give it a try and, and see how it goes. <laughs> okay. Well, let me know. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, that, that's, that's really cool. I how, often, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I often wonder too, if there might not be a physical component to all this, mm-hmm. that, you know, it could be the way a person's eyes are different from another person's eyes. I, I don't know. Okay. I know that, that makes sense to that, me. I never see saw things in those pictures either. Okay. I know that my um, ophthalmologist told me that most people have normal nerves in their eyes. You know that go down a little bit and come up. He said yours are like the Grand Canyon, and which is not necessarily a good thing for <laughs> <your> vision. <laughs> but I often wondered, well, maybe that's why I see things differently. You know, it's mm-hmm. who knows. Okay. It, I mean, it could be. Why not? <laughs> Anything's yeah, possible, right? Interesting. So huh. I have a quick question about feng shui. Okay. And I've read different things about feng shui, such as where to place mirrors in your home and, and how to situate, you know, maybe a, a desk, you know, away from the wall and um, of course, now I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the wall, I'm sitting at my desk at home looking at the wall. But anyway, <laughs> um, and you, you know, all these different things. But I recently read one about not putting a shoe caddy by the front door and right. that having bad energy or some such thing. I, we just recently put a shoe caddy <laughs> by the front door and I thought, uh-oh, I'm probably not, not helping matters. <laughs> How come no. you're not supposed to put a shoe caddy by the front door? Right. You're not. Shoes at the front door is not good. I mean. Oh, okay. A caddy, are you saying they're like in a cabinet? It's open. So there's a uh, bench. There's yeah, a bench on top. And then underneath yeah. it's an open space, a, a, like a shelving underneath. And you just set your shoes right in there. Right. It's not close. Well, it's number one, it's clutter. Okay. For most people, they just throw the shoes on the floor. Okay. You've got yours organized. That's yeah. a little different. Okay. And to... The shoes at the door, you know, means that you're not going to be staying there very long. <laughs> That's mm. part of the psychology behind it, you know, that you're not really rooted in your home. Oh, okay. okay. That, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. But the most of it is just clutter. I mean, mm-hmm. so many of the things are about clutter. Yeah. They're pretty logical, really. Right. That one of the ones sense. that surprised me was, um, and it was, I actually read it in one of your articles, was books in glass cabinets as opposed to on open shelves. Yeah. Explain well, it. I have I have my books in a glass cabinet. Number one, I hate dusting. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the practicality. That's the practicality of feng shui. But if you're going to have an open bookcase, it's because they create poison arrows. Okay, because no, most people who have books in a bookcase, they're just all different ways organized. But if you put them to the edge of the shelf itself, you can get away with it from a feng shui point of view. 
because they'll all be evened up along the edge of it. They're not going to be jagged. And so what happens is the reason that, that it says that is because with an open shelf, you've got, you know, like one will be forward and one will be back. So you're creating an angle there that's called a poison arrow because it's, it creates that angle where it, that energy just goes right at you. Okay. So if you've got the glass, that creates a barrier to that energy. That's the only thing. I did it because I, I like the way it looks, but I also like not having to dust my books. Yeah, that, that seems really, really not a bad idea. Um, also on feng shui, let's talk about bathrooms really quickly because okay. bathrooms, bathrooms are where energy goes to die. And so I um, raised two boys and have a husband. So it is me and a bunch of guys. Yeah. And I had to fight for years to get the stupid toilet lid down. <laughs> oh my. That's that's the number one feng shui thing is to keep the toilet lid down. I know. Well, it is it is now. I finally got them all trained and now Good for you. Even my son who's engaged and living with his his fiance and stuff he puts that toilet seat down, boy, because I talk him. But can you explain sort of the what it is with bathrooms and feng shui sure. and what to do sure. about it? Okay. Well, I'm sure that your future daughter-in-law loves you every day <laughs> for teaching him how to do that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, the energy of a bathroom is wastewater. So it comes in pure, but it leaves not pure at all. So that's that's the whole thing about bathrooms. Um, the energy is, in other words, you don't want a bathroom over your kitchen because that's where you're preparing food for health. And so in feng shui, that means all that wastewater is going down, that energy is going down you know, to the kitchen. So that's not good. Uh, what else can I tell you about bathrooms and water? <laughs> Well, so, I mean, but we've got to have a bathroom. <laughs> well, in feng shui, really, it's better to have a small bathroom than a large bathroom. Oh, those big spa-like bathrooms are out, huh? Well, they aren't feng shui, I can tell you that, um, because of the energy that they harbor. In other words, if you have a huge bathroom, unless the rest of your house is proportionally, you know, proportionate to it and huge, then that could create some issues financially simply right. because of the energy that's that's accumulating there, even though it's going in and out it still it still has one purpose and and that's waste right so, so the smaller waste you have, the better what what do I do because I have two bathrooms over my kitchen what I mean, I can't move the bathroom. <laughs> no, you can't move them. That's not even no. So now what do I do? You know well, I mean? you can do things in the bathroom to soak up that energy. Like you can put plants in the bathroom. Okay. Um, color, even though color doesn't really activate um, chi energy, it is used as a representation. So on your floor, you mm-hmm. can put like green if that's your color, hopefully, or brown, you could brown, put, you know, scatter yeah. rugs or whatever. Okay. Uh, that would help to keep the energy. Um, in the kitchen, you could put, you could disperse the energy by putting um, multifaceted little 
crystals, you know, you could hang them mm-hmm. on the ceiling or whatever. That would help to disperse it. I mean, if you wanted to be really dramatic, you could put a mirror face up on your ceiling, but I don't think mm-hmm. many people want to do that. But that's one way to <clears throat> keep the energy. Excuse me. Um, you could put, um, let's see, a five, uh, let's see, wood would probably work better. Uh, flute, uh, I'm sorry, wind chime above the toilet, as long as you're not going to hit your head. Uh, if your ceiling's high enough, that would take the energy up and keep it from going down. Um, I have a bathroom over my kitchen too, Cheryl. Oh, oh I thought, well, in, uh, double whammy, because I have two bathrooms over the kitchen. <laughs> Well, you know, that's common. So feng shui fortunately always has solutions and remedies. Yes, that's nice to hear. (laughs) Yeah. And really the plants, that's a great feng shui thing to do for a bathroom. Okay. You know, you don't have to make it a jungle or anything, but Mm -hmm. a plant would help. I love just having the energy of plants in my house. I have a ton of plants, so my house is kind of jungly anyway. That's the way mine has always been. I love plants too. Yeah, you're an avid gardener, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, not as avid as I used to be, <laughs> but we do veg- vegetable garden, have raised beds, and do organic gardening. Very cool. Yeah. Cheryl, you have more questions about stuff since you know you disappeared for a while. And... Yeah, I do. I have a question um, on a different topic, and. Sally, I know that you're um, into astronomy and have, excuse me, astrology, pardon me, and that you've studied astrology, but I was wondering, and this doesn't really relate, and I have no idea why I'm even relating it, but do you have any interest in ufology? Yeah, I do. And that was forced on me. (laughs) Okay. Because I've seen them, so... Oh, wow. Can you yeah. share or? Well, yeah, I, okay. yeah, I was going to say, go on with that. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. They follow me around. But I, I, at least that's what I've been told. I don't know. Um, let's see. My very first experience, I was 11. And my parents had built a house. And we were about two miles from my grandparents. But we always went to my grandparents for the weekends, all us grandkids, you know, because that was the cool place to hang out. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother and my brother and one of my brothers and one of my cousins, we were, they had this swing, <laughs> Karen, this is very Southern. They had a swing <laughs> hanging from a, a tree. And so my grandmother and I were sitting in the swing and they had the slate slab down underneath it. So you had some place for your feet. And my cousin, my brother, were sitting in lawn chairs. And right across the road, my grandparents had a five-acre pond. I guess you would call it a lake. And we were sitting there. It was very still. There were no, the moon wasn't out. But all of a sudden, coming out of, let's see, I guess it would have been the south. Coming out of the south, this light came over the treetops. And then it hovered over the lake. And I couldn't really, it was so dark, we couldn't see anything but the lights. And it had a red, a green, an orange, and a yellow one, sort of like a cross on each end. And then it it stayed there for a while, and we're all just sitting there kind of dumbfounded looking at it. Because we knew it wasn't a helicopter. They had had maneuvers and actually landed a helicopter in my grandparents' field. So I knew what a helicopter sounded like. 
and it was just quiet. And it just then started moving off sort of southeast and went into the woods that bordered around the pond. And you saw, we could see this light shining up from the ground. So I knew it had landed, whatever it was. And I was like, let's go see, let's go see. My grandmother's like, get in the house, get in the house. <laughs> she was like this hen with her little bitties getting us all back in the house. And so we were locked up into the house. But that night, and, and, and my other brother and my uh, female cousin were in the house. They, they weren't outside. They didn't witness it. So my female cousin and I were getting ready for bed. And my cousin and brother came running in there. And they had guns. They had their shotguns. And he's like, pull the blinds down, pull the blinds down, because there were huge, tall windows in the in the bedroom. And I was like, what? And he pulled the blind down. He said, something out there. I said, what do you mean? Can't you hear the dog barking? I said, yeah, something's out there throwing rocks at Big Daddy's car on his hubcaps. And I'm like, okay. And they went around locking the doors, because back then we didn't lock doors. So they went around locking all the doors and locking all the windows. I remember my cousin with his shotgun getting up on the arm of the sofa to to lock the the window that was over the uh, bookcase by the fireplace. And um, I don't know, remember anything other than I just went to bed. (laughs) I was like, y'all are crazy. I'm going to bed. Uh, But the next morning, I wanted everybody to go with me over there to see where the thing had landed. And nobody would go with me, so I sneaked out of the house and started across the dam where the pond was and got halfway through the field. They had just plowed it up, and it was just really difficult to walk in when this feeling came over me that if I went in those woods, I was never coming back. So I turned around and ran back to the house. So that was my first experience. Wow. And so you said you've had many. Yeah, I have. Uh, My husband and I had a uh, business in a little gorge uh, that was a tourist attraction. It was a park. And uh, we had an outside, like, cafe, but it was an ice cream shop. And then we had a business that sold souvenirs. So we were sitting out there one night because we would stay fairly open fairly late from there. Uh, It was about 10 o'clock, and it was – definitely a gorge with mountain ranges on either side and we're all sitting there and there are about I guess six customers one couple's dancing because we used to play uh, beach music in the mountains mm-hmm. and um, this helicopter which there was never any air traffic over that area because of the wind shears nobody ever flew over that this helicopter was chasing this orange light and it went across the road and went around there was it was called chimney rock it went around the chimney it was all lit up and it was chasing it and it made a real sharp turn and the helicopter went past it now it was very clear what it was chasing there was no doubt but this is this is how people react one couple wow that was amazing we just saw ufo the other Mm -hmm. couple man was like that was not a ufo there's no such thing it's just amazing how people react to this type of thing but yeah uh, you know it's just I, I reported that particular one to MUFON, <clears throat> but that was it on on that particular one. I've seen quite a few things. I had a couple of photos that I actually captured some weird stuff uh, at my daughter's house, um, but I've seen ones that look kind of like um, 
uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, a ball, but it's not. And I, it's, it sort of glows and glitters. We saw it when we were riding through the mountains one time. You know how you, you get the kaleidoscope of the trees and all, so I couldn't keep up with it. Um, I used to have one years ago before my daughter was born that would, if I had to go out at night, like to go to the grocery store or whatever, particularly in the winter, it'd be sitting there, it'd be orange, and it would follow me. And then it would wait and then follow me back home, which was really weird. And um, wow. yeah, my my husband at that time kept telling me it's Venus. And I said, since when did Venus move? <laughs> and <laughs> right. I said, it was orange for Pete's sake. <laughs> so so it, it, does it, do, do you think that, that it had an interest in you personally? Mm, probably. Probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I did, did one regression one okay. time where I supposedly was taken on board, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just really difficult for me to hone in on it. So, Okay. Um, I was Because I was going to ask you if you thought there was some type of message like um, that you were supposed to get from these experiences. Yeah. We aren't alone. (laughs) We don't don't know what we're doing that we don't, Mm -hmm. as far as when we, we talk about these things, we, we only have part of the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the more I I learn, the older I get, the less I know. I mean, that is the truth. Mm. The more I see, the more I realize I don't know anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, so, you can relate. <laughs> I, I, I can, and it's just every every day I, I know less and less. And, you know, I said that to somebody once, and he said, oh, stop with that new age BS. And I said, it's not. It's not. It's just my experience. It's reality for me. Yeah, it's, it's not new agey. It's just, you know, it's it's. I think it's wisdom as much as anything you start to understand. Because when you're 18, 19, 20, you think you know everything, and... Oh, yeah, that's so delusional, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy. So um, we're, we're coming to the end of our time, but I wanted to really quickly give you an opportunity to talk about your Aura's book because it just came out like a couple of days ago. It did. It did. Um, I think there's a, there's a website for it, aurasrevealed.com. Aurasrevealed.com. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And I downloaded people, it. Haven't read it yet. I downloaded yours too, and I'm so excited to read it. It's on my to do well, list this weekend. Yes, it's on my to do list as well this weekend. So. Well, good. We'll compare notes and see how well we did. <laughs> we'll be reading each other. So, so tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, basically, it describes the seven layers. It describes each color that is seen in auras and what they mean. Um, I did something. A little different. I actually tried to use the color using um, color theory to see if you could match like your color, your aura color to somebody else's to see if you were a good match, which was kind of fun to do. I've never seen anybody do that, but it's something I, you know, being so color oriented with my careers and all that I wanted to do. And I, I thought that would be fun for people to try and see if it, it works for them for sure yeah and then there's uh, there's a whole section on how to cleanse your aura you know like I used to always take auric baths uh, I always have found them to be the most beneficial 
Um, How do you take an auric bath? Well, there are, you can do it anyway. You want to, but the main thing is I would use uh, Epsom salts. Okay. To cleanse each chakra area, even okay. my crown chakra, which is not too nice with your hair and everything. Right. But then just shower it, you know, and okay. get rid of it. But you can use herbs. You can use crystals if if they're you know they can take water. Yeah. Um, and water won't hurt them, but you can, you know, come up with your own idea. Um, you can even, if you want to, if you don't mind having to clean that out of your tub, you can use like a mineral as the last thing, you know, when you get up out so that the yeah. mineral oil seals it all in, which is always my favorite thing to do in the winter, particularly, uh-huh. and then put sweats on because that just really insulated me. And I, I used to be so sensitive to the cold. Yeah. And um, so, that's one of the favorite things. Uh, you know, there are other things you can do. Um, just thoughts, you know, your thought patterns get into your aura. Uh, people don't realize that, but because they are electromagnetic, that's why you attract. If you're, if you're, you know, really negative thinking, you're going to attract negative people. If you're positive, you're only going to attract the positive people. Right. So thoughts are, are actual things. You know, they're real. They can actually be sent out from your, your aura and travel anywhere so there's a section on on all of that Uh, and basically just actionable things of how you things you can do you know like the thing of learning to see auras um and and the cleansing part that's real important right i'm going to work on the seeing thing okay yeah let me know if i can help you Okay. I think that part of it for me is because I've for so many years told myself that I can't see those things that I've created. That is my reality. And I just need to shift it because I know I can feel it. I know I can sense it. So why shouldn't well, I to see it? That's right. Do some positive thinking about it. Right. So um, I mentioned before we started that one of the things I was going to ask you is um, just for one or two intentional things that you do or ways that you bring intention into your life. Well, every morning when I get up, I practice gratitude. <clears throat> I thank God for the day, and I ask God, you know, to guide me through the day. Um, whenever I deal with people, I try to offer them the utmost respect, um, give them the benefit of the doubt, and I always send love. Um, one thing I started doing years ago that I had read in uh, a very old book, the Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that every person you meet, that you pray for them. And so when I'm driving or any person I meet, or if I'm in Walmart or if I'm in the grocery store, I try to send each person that I come in contact with good thoughts, prayers, good energy. And it makes you a much happier person. Yeah. Um, it comes back to you. I love that. That's perfect. Um, okay. And so finally, now we are at Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. So where can people read your stuff? Where can people find you? Um, all of that good stuff. Well, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have a website. <clears throat> I haven't updated it in a while. Uh, it's sallypainter.com. That's easy enough to remember. Yeah. And... I still have my fiction books over there, that section, but my fiction books, I've got my rights back. So nothing's happening on those right now because I'm focused on nonfiction. And um, 
I have links to all of my stuff on my website too. Very good. And I think I'll love to know the bio. They've got all that on there too. Yeah. And so if, if you want to get a good taste of, of Sally's writing, you can go to love to know um, and look in the feng shui and the paranormal topics. And um, you write like decorating stuff and gardening stuff. What am I missing? Um, Astrology. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot there, you know, furniture. I mean, I think they're like 14 channels right now that I'm writing on. So there's, yeah, if you just search Sally Painter, love to know, it'll take you to everything she does. And she's, she's a great writer. I've been reading her work for years. Well, thank you. That's a big compliment coming from you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been really interesting. Cheryl, do you have anything before we, before we do the big sign off? Uh, I just also want to thank you, Sally. I appreciate you sharing um, your experiences with us. And um, I look forward to talking with you again sometime. Okay. Well, thank you, Cheryl. It was very nice meeting you too. And thank you again, Karen. Yeah. I appreciate it. So this will come out actually on January 1st is when this podcast is scheduled to be live. And so I guess we should also say Happy New Year. Um, here's to looking forward and bringing positivity and intention into your life for the new year, everybody. Happy new year. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of An Intention is Everything. I think that perhaps our next guest may actually be another Love to Know writer or astrology writer, Patricia Lamp. Oh, good. But maybe not. <laughs> It'll be a it'll be a big surprise again. So thank you everybody for listening. Have a happy new year. Happy new year.